All right, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to John chapter 17. Uh, last week, we had a real close fellowship, freezing rain and all kinds of stuff that happened, and we didn't think we was going to have service, and we decided to go ahead and give it a chance, and we met in the glory class. It reminded me of the old days when we were just a small gathering in a small room, and uh, we had a wonderful time uh, preaching on uh, uh, God's perspective of, um, of the ministry, and I thank God for uh, the way we can learn a lot from the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. This is the real Lord's Prayer. I believe with all my heart that uh, there's a model prayer in Matthew chapter 6, and then there's the, uh, uh, where the disciples were instructed to pray and to forgive and ask forgiveness, but the Lord never had to ask forgiveness, amen? He was, he was perfect, and, um, and, but he, he prayed right before Calvary. And so I think that you, when, you, when you read chapter 17 of John, I think you really need to read it with a holy hush and with a reverence that you're entering into the Lord's Prayer. And he's praying. There's 650 recorded prayers in the Bible, and this is the greatest. This is the best prayer because it's the Lord Jesus Christ that is uh, praying. So let's stand on the Word of God. I want to read verses 1 through uh, 5 uh, tonight. I want to go back and just uh, preach a little bit on, uh, on these verses. I think that you'll get something out of it. And um, I appreciate so much uh, this prayer and realizing that He's praying for me and He's praying for you. The Bible says, These words spake Jesus... And he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. Thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. What a great prayer. I have glorified thee on the earth, and I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thy me with thine own self, and with the glory, now listen, which I had with thee before the world was. You can be seated as we pray, and let's ask God to speak to our hearts about uh, this uh, prayer of um, showing us how blessed we are indeed to know the Lord Jesus Christ and thank the Lord for it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for this uh, prayer. Thank you, dear God, that you're right now ever living on the right hand of God, praying for us. And Lord, I thank you for that. And Lord, I thank you for the tremendous blessing of having you as our personal Savior and having eternal life. Lord, sometimes we just take it for granted Lord, I remember when I got saved on a Sunday night when the preacher was preaching on hell, eternal, hot, and horrible. And Lord, you uh, saved my unworthy soul on March 15, 1964. And Lord, thank you in this prayer, you remind us what we got when we got saved and what we can claim as we pray every day of our life. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Last couple of weeks, we've been preaching on the essentials for prayer, the posture of the heart. These words spake Jesus and he lifted up his eyes. We don't know if he was kneeling. We don't know if he was laying down. We don't know if he was standing. But we know one thing, his heart 
was right with God. The Lord Jesus Christ was perfect. And then he prayed to the Father. He yielded to the Father's will. And he prayed for God's glory. And he prayed by faith. Now that's the ingredients of everyone's prayer life that will have effectiveness. And last week in that little room back there with the first pulpit I ever preached on, still around after 40 40 years, I can't believe that because many Sunday school teachers have uh, uh, pr- uh, taught around that or on that or behind that. Uh, we see that in praying in faith means that he looked, he looked around and he saw the disciples that weren't much, but he knew that they were going to do great things for God because greater is he that is in you than he's in the world. And I don't think we ought to compare ourselves with each other. I don't think we ought to be anybody but what God's called us to be. Amen? And uh, I, I'm not... Lee, Dr. Lee Robinson, I'm not Jack Hiles, uh, I'm just me. And folks, we need to pray in faith, but we need to look around and realize how God is working and how He's doing something great in our lives. We might not be much around here, and we might not be the biggest church in town, and we might not be the richest church in town, or the most influential, but I'll tell you one thing, you're the church that's been faithful, and God is blessing, and God is using you in a special way, more than you'll ever know. The other day I... I got a text Sunday morning, I got a text from a, a preacher that preaches all over America, and he's just uh, got a tremendous church up in the uh, Chattanooga area. And he said, I just, I thought, I think often of your church, because that was the um, church I was baptized in. I just didn't even realize it, that his church that we started over in Chatsworth came over here and uh, used our baptistry, and that young bus kid, Ricky Gravely, was picked up on a bus, and, uh, and, and they led him to the Lord, him and his brother, same Sunday. Then they won his mother and his father to the Lord. Changed his life totally. And he always thanks God that we started that church. Now that church no longer exists, Murray Baptist Church. And uh, they tried to consolidate, and they just didn't make it. The pastor left suddenly. And, uh, but I want to tell you something. One little bus kid getting saved has lasted. Amen. And he's reaching people. Started a Bible college. God's you. He's going to be here Saturday, uh, Saturday night week to testify. But I want to tell you something, friend. You look around and you can praise God that Lord's doing a lot more through your brothers and sisters than you ever thought they could. And, and He can do exceedingly and abundantly above. Then we look back and, you know, uh, we see that we can look back and say, well, we're not too big and we're not too popular and we're not too this or that and other. And Folks, when Jesus looked back, he had very few followers. Uh, his own nation was crying out against him, saying, Crucify. But by faith, he looked back and knew that he had done the Father's will. And then he looked ahead, and uh, he called uh, uh, John chapter 12, verse 23, the crucifixion glor- being glorified. Now, folks, that's a great way of looking at Calvary, that he looked beyond the cross, and he saw the empty tomb. But he also looked beyond the empty tomb and saw the ascension. And he looked beyond the uh, ascension and saw himself back in the glory of God in heaven where he left for you. And that's a divine perspective. Folks, what I'm saying is we need to pray for a, 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 a perspective of living by faith. We need to look at this world different than this world looks at each other. We need to look at this world different then they look at their past and think if they haven't made a million dollars or something, uh, they're a failure. No, it's what you do for Christ that lasts. But I see in the, these verses five special blessings I want you to see. First of all, I want you to see that, folks, when he prayed in verse 2, 
He said, and thou hast given him power over all flesh. He's praying, uh, saying, glorify thy son that thy son may also glorify thee. And thou hast given him power, talking about himself, over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Now folks, first of all, I want you to just underline the word eternal life. He defines eternal life uh, in verse 3. Here's the eternal life, that this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God. Folks, listen, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So eternal life is definitely not just a um, religion or a dogma or some kind of uh, uh, thing that you acquire or even earn. God help people that believe you can add works to salvation, and they're called the enemies of the cross. And folks, eternal life is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you what's so excited about that is that it's, it's through, number two, the knowledge of the Father. Folks, the lost world does not have a clue about God. Look at verse 25 of this chapter, this prayer. Now, uh, he's praying, so you need to, you need to listen with, with reverence and with... Uh, with concern that you get this prayer and that you're an answer to this prayer. Verse 25 says, O righteous Father, the world hath not known. The world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. Folks, the world has no clue about heaven, about eternity, but folks, we can know because we know Jesus. It's a personal relationship. Oh, it's not just knowing about God. It's not just being intellectually or spiritually uh, educated. And folks, what people need is not uh, reformation. They need regeneration in the jails. Amen, Brother Steve, Brother Larry. And folks, they need Jesus. And so folks, when you know Jesus, you know the Father. And no man's seen the Father except by Jesus. You want to see the love of God? Look at the love of Jesus. You want to see the mercy of God? Look at the mercy of Jesus. You want to see the forgiveness of God? Look at Jesus. And so we see, folks, uh, eternal life. Then we see the knowledge of the Father. Look at verse 6 and 7, please, of uh, John 17. It says, I have manifested thy name unto man, which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest me them me, and they have kept thy word. Now look at verse 7. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou has given me are of thee. Folks, they believed his word. They got saved by the grace of God. The incorruptible seed pierced their old hearts, their old lost and dying religious hearts, and they got born again because they met Jesus. They accepted Jesus. They believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, and there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. And so that's the second blessing. Eternal life, the knowledge of the Father, but then I want you to look in verse 9. We see something that's so wonderful. It says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them, which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And so we see third of all, the third blessing, uh, that's such a, such a blessing as we study this prayer, and we can realize, is that, folks, Christ's inter intercession on our behalf. You know, right now, what encourages me more than anything else is that Christ is praying for me. And I want to tell you something. The only hope that a Christian has is realizing they've got a personal relationship with a living God and that they can't 
uh, lose that salvation and that God loves them enough to ever live to make intercession for them. He said, I have not prayed for the world, but I prayed for them. That's the disciples which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And so we see the fourth uh, blessing, folks, not only, uh, I mean, the fourth blessing is divine protection in this world. I want to tell you something, the government might shut down, but God never shuts down. Amen? He's like that favorite choir song that uh, the choir sings, He's still on the throne. Amen? Folks, why should we be worried and why should we throw up our hands and, and give up and recant and go to the world for the answers and try to get psychoanalyzed and, and homogenized and pasteurized to this world when we have a God that will protect us no matter what? Look at verse 11. The Bible says, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. He's about to go through Calvary. He's about to go to the cross and he's praying this beautiful prayer. He's taught in John chapter 13. He's taught in John chapter 14. He's taught in John chapter 15 and 16. And now he stops and he prays, oh Father. And what's he praying? He's praying, praise God, that they have, they have the blessing of eternal life. That they have the knowledge of the Father. That Christ ever lives to make intercession and then that He will protect them in this world. Look at verse 11. Now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I, was, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Now listen, those that thou gavest me, I, never, I, I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition. That's Judas, and he never was saved. All the Arminians say that he was saved and he, and, he, and he got lost. That's ridiculous. But the son of perdition and the scriptures might be fulfilled. And so we see, folks, that the physical and spiritual well-being of God's people is in God's hand. God guards his own. We're the apple of his eye. We're in the hollow of his hand. Folks, listen, um, if God be for us, who can be against us? Romans 8, 37 says we're more than conquerors through him. And what can separate us from the love of God? Neither heights, nor death, nor stress, or death, or peril. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And verse 11 says, I have kept them through thy own name. Now, I want to tell you something. This gives me great eternal security. And I don't like to use that word eternal security because I think we ought to use biblical terms in describing our salvation. It's eternal life. Last time I checked, eternal life is eternal life. Eternity means forever. And when He gives us eternal life, He keeps us not through our name and not through our works and not through our religion. He keeps us through His name. He has pledged His name, an immutable pledge, of one that will never change. He cannot lie. He will never lie. And He will not break His promise. And I will say this, He won't disown you. Amen? Now, a lot of people say, well, if he won't disown me, that means I can live like I want to. Well, number one, you don't want to. And number two, you're scared to. Amen? Hey, listen, I want to tell you something. I didn't want to disobey my mama. Uh, she was the disciplinarian in my family because daddy was drunk most of the time. But I want to tell you this. I was afraid to disobey my mama too. I had the fear of mama. You say, you was a mama's boy. Yeah, I was all the way up because she taught me and disciplined me and 
wore me out when I needed it. And sometimes she knew what, uh, what else I did. She'd have wore me out more. But I want to tell you this. I feared mama. I feared mama. I feared the repercussions. I feared the consequences of sin. Don't y'all? Uh, not your mama, but God. Amen? I mean, uh, look, folks, listen. We can't live like we want to. Number one, we don't want to. But when we do sin, we're scared to. Because God knows how to get our attention. Hebrews 11, 12, 6 says, For whom the Lord loveth, he scourged in every son who receiveth. Every son. Goes on Hebrews chapter 12, verse 8. says you're illegitimate if you don't get, if you don't get chastened when you sin. So if you want to prove that you're uh, lost, just go ahead and live like you want to and get away with it. You want to prove that you're saved, go ahead and sin. Well, don't go ahead and sin. That, that, that didn't come out right. If you sin, you won't get away with it. Amen? There is a consequences of sin. That's why I think we ought to discipline our children when they're coming up. Amen? I saw a picture today. I was looking at those uh, books back there. Now, I get all sentimental. I hope y'all don't think I'm overdoing it. And uh, if, I, if you do, I'm sorry. But I just don't want to ever forget those days that we started. Because sometimes I get a little discontent and a little restless and a little ungrateful sometimes. And I just like to look back once a year and say, Dear God, this is where we came from. We didn't know, no, we didn't know anyone in this town. And we, we, we started in a house that nobody should have started a church in. They used it for a haunted house the October 31st before we occupied it. We turned it into a holy house. I know because the walls glowed when I turned on the light switch the first time. It was that glow paint. I said, glory to God, that must be a sign. If I was charismatic, I'd have, I'd have put that on the front page, you know. Boy, the, God's given us a sign of glowing walls, you know. And, uh, and, and, you know, I looked at that little auditorium, and it was 12 by 15, and it was five little metal chairs and then three little metal chairs and an aisle. But thank God Bruce and Connie walked that aisle that first service, and that gave me hope, and that gave me uh, uh, assurance that God was going to build this church. It wasn't left up to me. I'm still in my first pastorate. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm learning. After 40 years, I better learn, amen? And I want to tell you something, friend. I was amazed as I looked at that picture and we was breaking ground and, and Stephen was four years old and Amy was uh, like three months old and we were carrying him in our arms and he was there looking at that big shovel and I thought, man, this has been a blessing. This has been great. This has been wonderful. And so I get a little sentimental and I get a little uh, historical, not hysterical, uh, just looking back at what God's done and how He's protected us. Now I want to say this. It's not always been happy, groundbreaking, and great victories. There's been some terrible things happening in this church. Terrible, awful sin, and terrible, terrible things that almost caused me to quit and go run out of town and say I'm disqualified and there's nothing I can do if people are going to do that in the midst of hearing me preach for years and years and years. That's what the devil does. He's accused of the brethren. But he's protected me from the perspective of the world. He's protected me. And I'm not trying to brag on myself. I'm just saying it's all God. And God guards His own if we'll let Him. So in prayer, when you fall down on your knees, you ought to fall down on your knees in a helpless estate saying, dear God, I cannot make it without you. We need to get desperate for God in our Christian life. We need to get desperate to call out to God and say, I can't preach and I can't deke 
and I can't teach, and I can't even be a good parent, and I can't be a good husband or a good wife without you. For the Bible says in His teaching in John chapter 15 about the vine and the, and the branches that I can do nothing without you. And he, and he taught that. He said, abide in me and my... And he said, and, 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 and let my words abide in you. And you ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. And here's the crescendo of all prayers. He says, herein is my Father glorified that you hear, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. And so folks, it's all for the glory of God. And I want to tell you something. If man gets the credit, God will take his hand off the church. This is not a church where we build up and pump up religious celebrities. And we try to worship them and follow them and, 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 and do all this kind of stuff that the world seems to have celebrities instead of servants. Well, we're to be servants. But we're to be servants dependent upon God and giving Him the glory for all that He's done. And that brings me to the last blessing uh, is that we need to not only have, realize we have divine protection in this world by His name and He, and he, can't lo- he won't lose us and He ever lives to make intercession for us. And why would He care to discipline us if He could disown us? And I, I tell you, it's a confusing doctrine when people say, save law, save law, save law, save law. So really they're saying when they go soul winning, uh, get saved, but I ain't going to guarantee you that you're going to stay saved. I, I would have a lot of trouble knocking on doors with that kind of doctrine. Amen? I told you the other day I had the bathtub in the back of that uh, little pickup and if I believed that baptism saved you, I'd go soul winning with a bathtub in my back of my truck, amen, and say, come on about here and get saved, because I believe in getting saved uh, in between Sundays, amen. I mean, some people shouldn't wait to Sunday. And we're not high-pressure salesmen here, but praise God, I believe that, folks, the, the coming of the Lord is imminent, and you never know when you're going to die. You never know. You never know. Some of us might not be here this time next year to celebrate 41 years. That dawned on you? Life's brief. Don't waste it. Bring bring God um, uh, glory in the picture. Bring God's perspective. And so fifthly, we see a a great blessing. Eternal glory. Look at verse 24 of of the prayer. I'm just trying to summarize it. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. That's his will. That you get saved, 2 Peter chapter 3 9, and that you stay saved. But the staying saved is not based on your works. It's based on the work of Calvary and the resurrection and the ascension and the ever-living intercession of Jesus on the right hand of God. He ever liveth to intercede for you. Jesus is praying for you. That brings great hope and joy to my heart. And it goes on to say, Father, I will that thou also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundations of the world. I want to get into that in just a minute to help you to witness the Jehovah Witnesses. I had a chance to witness one uh, Saturday. But I want to tell you something, folks. Eternal glory is the fifth blessing of this prayer. The assurance of heaven. No one will be in heaven who has not first been given to Jesus Christ. And God has birthed into you eternal life. God's own life is in you. It's a gift of eternal life. And folks, he explains eternal life back in verse 3 again. 
He said, this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I want to tell you something, there's a lot of people that are so congenual and so compromising. They think that we can't have the only way. You know, there's several ways to, to heaven. But folks, my Bible tells me that Jesus is the only way. And I won't be as dogmatic about that as I can be because he is the only way. Curtis Hudson was working in the uh, Decatur post office where I went many times and lived in Decatur and heard him preach many times when he was at Forest Hills Baptist Church. And a lady came to me and says, Hey, listen, uh, I don't believe what you believe that Jesus is the only way. He says, For instance, uh, when I come here, I can go down Columbia Drive or I can go down uh, Candler Drive or I can go down 285 and hit... Uh, 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 what's that, 78, uh, the Decatur Highway, and there's several ways to go, to go to Decatur. And Dr. Curtis Hudson, his humor that he had, he said, lady, I want to tell you something, there's one wrong thing wrong with that analogy. When you die, you're not going to the post office. Amen? And you're not. You're going to heaven. Amen? And folks, there's not many ways. And I thank God there's not many ways. Thank God there's one way. And folks, you better find that way. His name is Jesus. Amen. It's not a doctrine. It's not a. It's not a uh, catechism. It's not a lesson. It's not a reformation. It's not a uh, reforming yourself. It's 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 a personal relationship with Jesus. Now listen to this. There is no personal relationship without communication. I teach that all the time. I'll I'll have a session. I'm sure April 12th when we go up to Pigeon Ford and have that, those great times again. I'm sure Brother McCulley that preaches on Friday night and teaches on Saturday morning. He'll probably bring this up. Communication is a key in a marriage. Amen? It's, it's tone and it's expression and it's, it's listening. That's communication, men. Say amen. We never get accused of listening too much, do we? Amen? Listening, even to her instructions, even to her warnings when we're going 75 and a 55. We need to listen to our dear mates, amen, and our wives in particular. And I want to tell you something, friend, uh, it's, it's the circulatory system of the marriage. If you're not communicating, if you're not talking, if you're not listening, uh, everything else will not be right. It's an emotional oneness that God wants to have. But I want to tell you something, you'll never have a relationship with Lord Jesus Christ unless you talk to Him, and unless you listen to Him, unless you communicate with Him. I've, I'm just enjoying reading my Bible through this year as never before. I love the charts that Brother Jason's uh, given out, and it balances it with the, you know, you got the Genesis, which we all read through at least once a year. Amen. That's the most read book in the Bible. And then you got the, you got the, you got the Psalms, and then you got the New Testament. And it's just, it's just beautiful. It's balanced, you know. I think we're on uh, chapter 18 today. And uh, you get so much out of it. And this morning I was having a hard time concentrating, just a hard time. And I, and I read about 10 or 15 verses, and I said, I didn't even read that. I started thinking about the burdens, and I thought about the victories, and I was thinking about all this stuff, and I thought about everything I was going to get done and had to talk to the bank and had to talk to Pedro and broken English, and I had all kinds of stuff to talk about. And I, and I, and I sit there and said, no, I'm going to read it again. And I, I hate to admit this, Brother Steve, but I had to read it three times, three times. ADD nothing. It was, it was wonder. It was, I, was in the, I was in the Milky Way somewhere. 
And I'd punish myself, so to speak. Okay, read it again. Wayne, you didn't hear what God was saying to you. And folks, that's the way you ought to read your Bible. It's a personal listening. And sometimes we read it through to mark off that little chart so we can say we read our Bible through and everybody would think we're spiritual at the New Year's service next year. That's not the reason. The reason is we need to listen because he's saying something. His word is speaking. His spirit will ring your bell and convict your heart. And it's a personal relationship. And folks, the Lord explained eternal life in verse 3 as knowing God. That's not deep, but it's so deep we can't even understand it. We can't trace God. We've got to trust Him. It's not intellectual acquaintance with God and knowing about God. You know, all the religious people call Him God. I don't think He wants to be called God. I think He wants to not have a form. Some people get up and pray God of Jeroboam and Rehoboam and all those Boam boys, we're here now. And you think, what is he trying to do? Impress us all with his vocabulary? No, we're talking to God. And sometimes we don't know what to say. All we can do is cry. We don't know what to say. All we can do is sigh. But God interprets that and he knows what's on our hearts. Amen. It's a personal relationship with the Father in heaven through Jesus Christ because he cares for you. And He loves you. And He saved you all for His glory. Not just for your joy. It's like we, we want to make a deal with God. Lord, I just bless me good and I'll get saved. No, I'll tell you something. You need to get saved because He's already been a blessing. God knows. And the word know is an intimate term. The same word is found in Genesis 4, 1 and, verse 1 and 28. An intimate relationship between husband and wife. That's no. Abraham knew Sarah. Can a sinner get to know God in an intimate, personal way without listening and without talking? Now, this is making prayer real simple. But folks, simply is, we need to get down to the simplicity of this Lord's Prayer that He was pointing out the blessings of being saved and knowing God. You know, it's only when we yield to Jesus Christ that we get to know the Father and experience the eternal life. One of the greatest, greatest ways to yield to the Spirit of God is to bow on your knees every day and say, Dear God, what would you like me to pray? What, what, is, what is your will? Thy will be done. God, lay it on my heart. I'll do it. I'll yield. I'll be it. More important than do it. Being ought to come before doing and you just yield to Him and realize how wonderful it is to hear from heaven through the Word of God and to speak to heaven through Jesus Christ and His blood and have that relationship with the Lord. It's only through Jesus. Look at John 14, verse 8 and 9. John 14, 8 and 9. That's His teaching right before this prayer. Philip said to Him, Lord, show us the Father, and it'll suffice us. It'll satisfy us. And Jesus said this, Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you that you, have, that you has not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou, show us the Father? Folks, you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. And I think that's why it's so blasphemous for our neighbors up the road called Jehovah Witnesses 
to say that Jesus was a created being. That's sad. And they knock on a whole lot more doors than we do. I knocked on a door uh, looking for Benito, uh, every door in that apartment complex looking for him. Met your dear mama. And, and this lady comes to the door and I said, hey, I'm just here to invite you to Whitfield Baptist Church. Uh, would you come be our guest? And uh, I'll tell you what you'll hear about. She says, I'm a Jehovah Witness. And I mean, she said it really angrily that I knocked on the door. And I thought to myself and I told my wife after we left that door, I said, I'm glad that we knocked on a Jehovah Witness's door because they sure have knocked on a lot around here, amen. And thank God we can knock on one. I said, well, I'm a Jehovah Witness. She said, you are. I said, yeah, I believe in Jehovah and I believe that God's called me to be a witness. I started church 40 years ago and you ought to, you ought to realize that the reason we're here is to lift up Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then boy, she didn't keep the door open. But anyway, <laughs> I'm glad we're on the offense, amen. I'm not trying to be crass or rude. Folks, we should not apologize for knowing Jesus. We should not apologize for our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I was just praising God that uh, two old people like me and my wife, she's a lot younger, uh, could get out and go door to door and feel like it, amen? Now, we don't go as fast as we used to, but we still go, amen? Some of you young whippersnappers, y'all need to go fast door to door, amen? But praise God, you never know who you're going to meet. But we're not pushing a religion. And we're sure not pushing a heresy that Jesus is a created being. We're lifting up Jesus and saying, if you'll see Jesus, you'll see God. And if you'll know Jesus, you'll know Him. And He gives eternal life. Folks, listen, we're not a salesman door to door. We're a witness of eternal life. Why are we ashamed of it? Why do we keep the pardon in our pocket? Why don't we gladly go tell people the truth? And folks, I want to tell you something about this gift. Number one, it's the most expensive gift that could ever be received. Grace is free, but folks, I'm going to tell you something. It costs God His only Son. It's not only an expensive gift, it's an eternal gift. Amen? How many of you already wrecked something that you got for Christmas? I mean, the toy or, a, you know, your mixer fell in the floor. Or, you, know, uh, you know, the dog didn't turn out right and you had to return him to pet land, you know, for a full refund, amen? Pay $10,000 for... A little uh, chihuahua, you ought to get a refund. But I'm just saying, listen, friend, those gifts are not eternal. They're temporal. They're wearing out. They're guaranteed just for a little while. You can buy the extended warranty, which I never do, according to Clark Howard. But I want to tell you something, folks, listen. Listen. We have eternal life. Does it dawn on you? You're going to live forever. I look at these pictures around... The anniversary Sunday, and I said, man, I have really aged. I was a kid when I came to this town, 27 years old, full black hair, I mean, flowing over in my eyes, and uh, little babies and twins on my birthday, and man, alive, this life has flown by. I cannot believe I've been anywhere 40 years. And I sure can't believe I'm 66 years old, going on 100, but it's been great. And you can't threaten me with death. I'm going to live forever. Amen? This is just a pilgrim passing through. Amen? It's an ambassador witnessing. And folks, we have eternal life. And then folks, uh, this gift is essential. It's what everybody needs. Say amen. I'm going to tell you something. 
you might think you need a new car, and you might think you need a, uh, uh, I almost said a new wife, don't, don't let me say that. You might think you need a new pet, you th might think you need a new hairdo. Um, I, I, somebody was making us take pictures this morning, my wife says, says, man, I didn't wash my hair this afternoon, why don't you give me a warning about that? I said, honey, I didn't wash mine either, we'll be all right, amen. <laughs> I use mop and glow, but anyway, um, essential. Folks, it's essential. You must be born again. And then last but not least, it's an expressive gift. You know what I love about receiving a gift from my wife? I know she loves me, and she'd like to get me anything that I needed. She really would. I mean, she, and she, she wants a hint list for four, six months before Christmas. And, I, and I, I'm very hard to buy for. And, uh, and I take a lot of stuff back, and that's, that's bad. That's bad. But I want to tell you something, folks. Listen, I know she loves me, and I know God loved me so much that he gave. And all through this prayer, you'll see he gave, giving. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a gift of salvation that's an expression of the Father's great love for you. I want you to just dwell on that. I, mean, I know this is not deep, and I don't want to get deep in this prayer. I just want us, I just want us to pray. Every day, like Jesus prayed. And folks, he prayed thankful and expressively for the gift of eternal life. And folks, I believe then, not, last but not least, it ought to be an expressed gift. We ought to back up the profession with the practice. And when we receive the gift of salvation, we ought to have two things in our life that's dominant. Number one, obedience to the will of God. Look at 1 John 2, 4, what John wrote a little later. 1 John 2, 4. Real quick, we've got about two, two minutes. 1 John 2, 4. By my own timing. It says, he that, ha he says he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. John's saying this. It's a free gift. But friend, I want to tell you something. If you're saved, if you're saved, there ought to be some obedience. There ought to be a new want to. And there ought to be a new discipline. There ought to be a new delight. And that delight is in this, that you can please God. And, and your goal should be to glorify God. John 14, back in his teaching, right before this prayer, in John 14, I believe it's uh, verse 15, the Bible says this. Um, he said, it says, If you shall ask anything in my name, verse 14, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. Back up to verse 13, it says, And whosoever, it says, Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in thy Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And so, folks, when you pray in Jesus' name, it's not a tag on the end of the prayer line. It's saying that, Lord, for your glory, your name, for your exaltation, that you might get the glory. You might get the credit. And folks, that's obedience to the will of God. And then 1 John 4, 8, uh, another evidence of, of, of express, expressing your gift. The Bible says if, if, you, if you love me, if you, if, you, if you know him, you'll love him. And if you do not love, you do not know him. Look at 1 John 4, 8. The Bible says this, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. First John chapter 3, verse 14 says this, 
We know that we have passed from death and life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. And so, folks, I believe faith without works is dead. And I believe we're not saved by works, but I believe if, we have, if we're saved, we have a salvation that works. And it works through obedience, and it works through love. And, folks, when we realize that, we have the privilege of walking with God for His glory. Next week, we'll, we'll take up uh, the next points. I can just show them real quick. And, uh, what happened before the world was. And this is an interesting prayer because it shows what was happening before the world was. Jesus existed as eternal God. He was heir at the creation. Jesus shared the Father's glory, verse 5 says, and Jesus was beloved of the Father before the world was. And the Father established His eternal purpose in verses 4 and 5. And so read verse 4 and 5 before you come next Wednesday. You'll receive a blessing from it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you so much for uh, this night of studying this wonderful prayer. And Lord, please help us, God, not try to analyze it too much. God, just help us to fall on our knees and as a loving child to a loving father, yield to you and pray. God asks you to do what we can never do, and that's miracles for your glory. To save a soul. To bring a backslider back home. God, to heal a heart of a parent that I know's heart is shattered tonight because somebody gunned down their little daughter or little son, their teenage son, their teenage daughter. Dear God, help us to depend on you. God is a branch to the vine, as a child to the Father, as the creation to the Creator. God, you're in charge. You're over all. And dear God, we want to walk with you the rest of our lives, and we want you to be glorified through every bit of our life. God, help us to listen as we read our Bible. God, to really meditate and let you speak to our hearts. And then, then, dear God, help that Scripture to bring our heart into an attitude of prayer and that we might talk to you and plead with you and beg you for direction for our lives and for correction and God for protection as we walk this earth for your glory. Lord, please, help us to pray as Jesus prayed one day right before we pass from this world to, the, to heaven that we have finished the work that you've called us to do and that you have been glorified through our little old lives. And it'll be a great life.